You're listening to The Chartographers You are listening to The Chartographers. Uh, it is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it worst to best and forget the rest. You know what the rest is? The rest is that whoop-de-woo, that blah-say-blah, <laughs> that he-say-she-say, oh my god. That's exactly what it Shut is. Shut the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> with pleasure at that point. Uh, so, guys, season two. Let me just tell you a little something about this Chartographers thing. I know I mentioned it at the start of everything, but it's been a journey. We started out with a lot of the classic-leaning, like, great classic artists, you know, of, like, rock and pop and other things like that and now we just went into like fucking contemporary territory like crazy hard yeah and we got rock stars retweeting us and we got like all sorts of things happening all because of you because you guys were listening and we really really thank you and appreciate that but most importantly though god damn it man we haven't done a fucking rap episode in forever and we want to do something great we want to do something substantial and so we decided we were going to talk about one of the in a very short amount of time is already in the conversation of top five MCs of all time. Like it's actually kind of incredible. So that's right, guys. We went ahead. We're going through with it. We're talking about the one, the only, the third most famous person to come out of Compton outside of Dr. Dre and Kevin Costner. That's right, guys. We're talking about Kendrick Lamar. Welvin the Great, if you're nasty. <laughs> uh, so uh, Kendrick, uh, aka K Dot, aka Kung Fu Kenny. Uh, he Kung Fu Kenny! <laughs> he, uh, actually, I mean, he hails from Compton, and the thing is, he really wished there was a little bit more, like, grit to his backstory. He just saw some shit and decided to start rapping. Uh, and it's amazing because the industry wound up picking him up quite readily. Yeah. Like, he had early features, like, J. Cole produced some beats for him, he showed up on some game tracks, like, he was brought into the family pretty early. It wasn't until after his official debut, Section 80, that he wound up really, really getting the attention of Dr. Dre, and then it became this big, big push where all of a sudden he, in multiple different iterances, really stepped up the game of what rap music can, should, and will be doing in the future. Like, it's it's crazy. We have the unspoken rule on the podcast that we will do another artist, uh, or the same artist again if they put up two more albums i am so excited to have if, if we had kendrick lamar be that artist i really really yeah am. Would i be... mean at the rate that a lot of the artists we're doing are going every four years <laughs> it's gonna be kendrick that we do first yeah so listen uh we are gonna do it we are gonna take his discography and we are gonna rank up in order to do that we have to put together one hell of a cipher in order to make that happen so let me just tell you about the people that we got going on right now first <laughs> off there is me i'm evan Sadi. uh i'm an interviews editor over at pop matters you probably know me as the host of this podcast if you know me as the host of this podcast do you know the person sitting to my left the uh sound wave to my kendrick uh, that's right, the one, the only, Taryn O'Reilly! Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I like I like the sound wave. Yeah, who doesn't like the sound wave? I mean, damn. Yeah. Did, I didn't really look. Does he work with anyone else? I feel, I mean, I feel like he has to. Like, I mean, even like 40 Shabib for Drake, he does like a couple other things, but he's still the in-house guy for I Drake. Love, just and fucking, I love his musical sense. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, that's on. its own thing. But the thing is that like, while it very much, you know, like we enjoy this podcast, we could do it. We knew if we were going to do Kendrick, we wanted to do it right. So we wanted to bring in 
the guy, the man, oh, a dear close personal friend, noted gaming celebrity, and you can follow him on Twitch and on Twitter at PXGIRedman, uh, the one, the only <laughs> Shannon I Redman White is in studio, Shannon! What is going on, Woo! ladies and gentlemen? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, now, honestly, I've been, like, waiting for this invite <laughs> for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's, like, ever since we talked about stuff, and I was like... One of these days, he's going to hit me up, and I'm going to be ready. And sure enough, when that album was announced, Evan messaged me. I was like, God is looking out for me. <laughs> he knows how bad. And admittedly, you know, Kendrick Lamar is one of my favorite artists, mm-hmm. period, of all time. Mm-hmm. And it happened at a very fast rate. Mm-hmm. And, man, there's just so much to talk about. and so layered. And I've always wanted to, like, have... A way to talk about it, and this is it. So I'm, I'm pumped. Good, I'm ready. Good. That's all that we ask for. You're yeah. like the Anthony Tiffy of uh, whatever the guy's last name is of Top Dog. Yeah, oh, yeah. It. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he also he seems like kind of an asshole sometimes. Like he's huh. like a good he's like a good label guy, but also like he just pulls shit at random. Like sometimes. Just reading I mean, about like yeah. I feel like in general, good music businessmen are not great oh, people uh, like, yeah, exactly. yeah. Like, you gotta be aggressive <laughs> like you gotta fight for your guy like yeah. yeah it's its own thing but hey listen we're gonna do it now when it comes to ranking the discography of kendrick lamar there's a lot to get into now the first first things first kendrick has four studio albums he has his debut from 2011 section 80 released independently he has the dre back big mainstream breakthrough in the form of good kid mad city from 2012 he's got uh he's got the very much the kind of like epic defining politically introverted like piece of art that is to pimp a butterfly from 2015 and then kind of randomly kind of sporadically in 2017 he just dropped a new album called damn uh, and that came out too. The four albums, pretty good. I mean, we've done artists with low album counts before, but with Kendrick Lamar, as with anything, there's always a little bit more to that. Uh, in 2015, after The Pimple Butterfly came out before Damn, he actually wound up putting out, because he mentioned he had a couple more songs than he had anticipated, you know, like for To Pimp a Butterfly for those sessions. And he decided he's also in a rapper. He doesn't want to, like, hoard songs. Like, if he's got something, he's going to put it out. So the thing is, he wound up putting out Untitled Unmastered in 2016, which is this all eight untitled tracks. He was on, like, Colbert Report and Fallon performing these songs mm-hmm. that didn't have names or well, titles. That, that was also part of why he did it, is that after those performances, people were yeah, like, people, uh, please uh-huh. give us studio versions. Right. right. I know I tweeted him, like, <laughs> I, I, and I know you didn't see the tweet, but I was like, please give me this damn song. Is it, whatever it is. Whatever yeah. it is. I want to be able to listen to this all the time without having to go to YouTube to look at the mm-hmm. And artists. then he did. Uh, yes, he and, did. and the thing is, like, is this this album that's basically fucking demos and, like, other shit I was working on debuted number one on the charts. It just kind of mm-hmm. spoke to the power and impact that Kendrick had. Uh, but then, of course, there's also mixtapes as well. Now, mm-hmm. as we know, uh, as you know, especially in modern times, rappers going to put out shit ton of fucking mixtapes. That's how you build up cred. That's how you build up, you know, viability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, Kendrick did have a lot. Initially under K-Dot, then eventually changing it to his own name for the Kendrick Lamar EP. And those are all, you know, great and fine. You can get a lot on Dat Piff. You can get a lot of stuff that you yeah. need, you know, find on there. But there's one in particular, a lot of people cite it as kind of his official one, the one that was actually commercially available, which is Overly Dedicated from 2010. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think we kind of all went a little bit back and forth on there, but Shannon had the argument of, like, Listen, if Drake can put out, if you're reading this, it's too late as a mixtape, then this would qualify in the same standards. Like, yeah. you know, most mixtapes don't debut at number one on the charts, but like, you know, Drake's did. So if we're using that rubric, and would you say that's, you know, how fair? Yeah. Or, yeah. And plus, I mean, just to toot my 
own little horn. You know, I was like, oh, you dedicated was the first time I heard him. So yeah. that needs to be there because it was very important because it made me fall. <laughs> All right, so, you know, it's so weird, especially in 2017. From a technical aspect, yes, it's a mixtape, mm-hmm. but... When Chance the Rapper is winning Grammys off of a mixtape. Yeah. And all right. these awards. And, like, the and thing is, like, other mixtapes he had were, like, there was that one that he did that was based entirely off of the Carter Three by Lil Wayne. Yeah. Where, like, basically half the songs were basically the beats from the Carter Three mm-hmm. that he sang over. And, you know, again, it's a mixtape. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. This is, like, almost entirely original production. Like, right. all yep. straight yeah. down. This exactly. feels like an album. Well, and I, I think I read a quote from him when he was putting out Section 80. Was He was like, it's just an album because it's with a record label now like right. everything yeah. that i've been putting out i've been treating it like it's an album. Right. yeah i've been putting that much work in there's quality control these aren't just like random songs that i want that i'm putting out like these are what i think is great and i want people to hear mm-hmm. yeah and from a technical point like the kendrick lamar ep that mixtape is also called the kendrick lamar ep, EP right it was a full thing yeah even though it's an over an hour long, right. just like the rest of these albums. Exactly. So as such, uh, we're going to have the mixtape cut off at Overly Dedicated, and we're just going to carry it straight through. So I think we're in agreement. We're going to do those six albums, which is Overly Dedicated from 2010, Section 80 from 2011, Good Kid, Mad City from 2012, To Pip a Butterfly from 2015, Untitled Unmastered from 2016, and Damn! From 2017. All right, guys, spots one through six. We as a group, of course, are going to go ahead and get together and determine what we think is the, you know, the best. You know, will we be fans when it shit hits the fan? I don't know. We will find <laughs> out at the end of this. But the biggest thing is that we have a very, very special guest, Shannon White, at Twitter at PXGI Redman. Uh, we got him right here in studio, and we're just going to do, we're talking about nominations. You know, we're all going to agree on ultimately the thing. We have, there's some give and take that can happen, but Shannon. Okay. Number six. What would you rank as the worst Kendrick Lamar album? And that's a weird sentence to say. Exactly. This is a guy whose output has been quality. Exactly. So if it were me out of these six, uh-huh. I'm just being honest. Uh-huh. Be honest. Only because, you know, I'm so invested. It would be Untitled Unmastered. Okay. And only because All right. while there were songs on here... It's pretty much a sample of ideas, and I mean some of the some of the skits on there were very long winded, and you know when he was doing the singing in the studio and things like that. Now, granted, the worst from Kendrick Lamar is probably the best compared to anyone else. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but only because for me, I don't necessarily when I listen to that treat it as like an album. It's like a it's like an appetizer. It's like an hors d'oeuvre. Mm-hmm. As full as a full body of work, I can't put that above anything else on this list because everything else on this list brings so much more in regards to a full package, a full album. Right. Well, I think the interesting thing is that we have kind of uh, a Kendrick in transition too, because to Pimp a Butterfly, for those who are unfamiliar, <laughs> to Pimp a Butterfly, basically from the second it dropped. Uh, was considered in many of the critical circles to be a masterpiece because it oh, is yes. it is I, I, the thing is I wouldn't even call it an album I feel like total art is the thing because oh, yeah. it demands your attention it is not mm-hmm. a casual you know driving down the highway kind of listen not at like all. it is I mean, layered and uh, oddly enough a couple of the tracks on there are mm-hmm. like yes. you you sort of forget that there are tracks on there that are just straight up hip hop you know they had a yeah. single King producer Kunta? yeah absolutely yep. yeah. Um, that is not one of the ones that I would say, I mean, yes, it is an it's incredible a jam. single. Yeah. It's yeah. a great jam, but it doesn't like stick out of the album in the way that like I would say, like All Right mm-hmm. is like a very classic. Like right. that is a hip hop yeah. beat. Right. Whereas like most of this album is 
full on. It's like free jazz. Yeah, you yeah. have because, Thundercat like, in there. You have mm-hmm. Kamazi. Like these are incredibly talented musicians just going ham. Yeah, and the thing about it though is the fact like that was still like an album. It felt like a considered piece of work because there well mm-hmm. some of the songs can withstand like you know scrutiny and exist without the context of the album. Stuff like uh, for free, like that stuff had yeah. to be in the album. It was like even though they filmed a music video for free, I found this and out it's today. It's oh, really? amazing. So, it? It's oh, an amazing. <laughs> It's an amazing film. Two minutes? It, like, oh my god. Just like, yeah. wow. Kendrick I, is just like. I was like, I couldn't believe they actually <laughs> did that, but I was so happy they yeah. did because they went they went all in. Oh, with yeah. The concept. Like, yeah. he's, he looks insane. Yeah. And it's perfect. But the thing is, so, like, as such, between that and the weird thing about that and Damn, Damn, very much, even though it's still very much of a certain a concept and narrative, it's still very much those songs, I feel like every single one of them can exist in right, the of the course yeah, of the album. Absolutely. So, Untitled yeah, Unmastered. It's a genre hopper. Right. Yeah. So, Untitled Untitled Unmastered is this weird space in between. It's mm-hmm. still jazzy. It's still funky. It's still him trying to work some stuff out. And the thing is that, again, I kind of went back and forth on this a lot this week. And that was the one where I oscillate the most times where I'm like, man, this is really scattershot. And other times I'm like, oh, but the highlights on here are so exactly. fucking good. And, and that's how you can tell it's like... Levitate. Yeah. And you can tell that it's made within that time frame of Tepimba Butterfly because mm-hmm. it's just like... These songs, like if some of those songs... On, on title Unmastered made it onto Pimple Butterfly it would have flowed cohesively throughout the album totally. and would have just fit yeah. definitely would have been a way longer album but it would have fit but again when I listen to Untitled Unmastered I hear some kind of unfinished ideas which if they were finished obviously would be great right. but for me it's like it's like a little hey guys and I feel like he put this out for a specific reason he's I feel like Kendrick was saying to the game, like, hey, my throwaways are better than your guys' best attempts. And here goes a little sample just to show you why. And I don't want to say it was a cash grab because, again, the pieces on this, like the right. song, mm-hmm. song with CeeLo Green? Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. That one is, like, oh next God. level. And, like, that was also uh, Adrian Young who did, like, the score for, like, uh, Black Dynamite and a couple other things. Yeah. It's very, like, classic 70s, mm-hmm. like, you know, Wakacha, like, soul sound. Uh, man, like he was—I didn't realize he was the producer on it until like this week. I'm like, oh shit, that is like and perfect. On I that. mean, I know part of it's just because it's CeeLo, but I think the style of it in general it really brings me back to like Golden Age Outcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, Dungeon you Family. Know? Like it just yeah. Like, and Untitled Eight, the last the one on there, this kind of like funk group, this doom 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 doom. Oh yeah, Like that one is like that. I mean, in, in the same vein, it's like Kendrick having fun. And the thing is that like. To Pimp a Butterfly sometimes was fun, but a lot of times uh, Kendrick gets caught up in the idea of being a socially conscious rapper all the time. And, like, he is. Yeah? I, I think that puts it a little too strongly. No, he I, doesn't get caught up in being a socialist rapper. He occasionally has... Socially con- not socialist rapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if you know this. That dick ain't free, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Pure economics. That dick is taxed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, anyway. That's, Segways. You knew what I Segways. meant. Yeah. But I've, it, you know, it fits him perfectly, though. Yes. And yeah. he doesn't, I feel like he makes comments without being inflammatory for the most part. Like, he's not saying it to get a rise out of people. He's just saying it like, he's going like, this is what we have to fucking deal with. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I would give towards Shannon Point is the fact, there's many things I give to Shannon's point, yeah. but like, I feel like To Pimp a Butterfly and Damn are considered 
pieces of work. I mean, admittedly, most of his albums are. Untitled and Master is just very much all over the place. It's just, right. you know, songs of different styles because, like, Untitled 3, the one that he debuted on the Colbert Report, mm-hmm. you know, what does the Indian say? Well, and, like, it's, you know, kind of, it, A, my favorite song on here by, like, a mile. Well, that's and one that's, of my favorite songs, like, ever. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, I've listened so good. to that so many fucking times in the last years. See, I like the last one. Yeah. Blue Faces. That's what I'm going to call it. Blue Faces Track 8. Because when he performed it on Jimmy Fallon, uh-huh. he did that, but the end of his performance, he used his verse from track one. Oh. Yeah, so he performed the blue track eight, and then with that same medley and everything, he used his ending verse uh, from track one, and kind of merged them together. Hmm. And that's what I thought the song would be, but they're separate on this album. Now, my thing with track three, uh, the one he performed on the Colbert Report. See, now for me... I love that song, uh-huh. but see, I don't know if you guys know this is where this is where a little history comes Hot in. Take. Play. All right, now it's not a new concept what he did right. because Lupe Fiasco did a song very akin to that, and in my opinion, a better version of that song hmm. on his debut album Food and Liquor with uh, American Terrorists. Oh, same same concept about you know. Breaking down Different, race like, race roles and what's expected and the perception of them, uh-huh. and so he did the same thing. So when I listen to that song, albeit I like it a lot, uh-huh. you know, in in hip hop when you hear a concept kind of especially something like that, because very specific, because not many rappers do things in that format. You're mm-hmm. like, huh? I feel like it was a very inspired. But the thing that sets it apart for me is the production on that. And again, yeah. and probably another reason probably why I would rate this as the last one is because the live performances. Part of me feels like he. I wish he would have just put the live performances. Mm-hmm. I have on the MP3 because the live one because like the, I needed that. The live performance yeah. of track eight is leaps and bounds better than the one on this album. A hundred percent. The same could be said for well, we'll get into that with Zip <laughs> and Butterfly with uh I. Uh-huh. We'll get into we'll that. We'll get into I. Yeah, we'll get into I later. Oh, but yeah. for this one, so part and again, I don't see this as like the fullest album. And again, like for for instance, track seven. Was like ten minutes long. Yeah, and then you have the guitar thing near the yeah, end. Yeah, with the guitar thing. It's yeah. just like well, it's like a sort of like an album track of his in that way, and that it's like there's a song, right? But and then, then there's like a recorded conversation, exactly. and, and I love and there's like yeah. you know a demo, right? And I, and I love that aspect because it almost brings fans into the mindset like this is how we kind of come about with our ideas and our songs. Just we just kind of you know jazz out in a studio, and I'm kind of like catching what I want to say or how I want to say it and the people are reacting and, and it's like a back and forth dialogue. Like and you want to catch it outside. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why Kendrick's albums come out so great because it's just like this feel and vibe amongst mm-hmm. that team and he gets this input and he, you know, based off of the reaction that input, he goes with it. Yeah, I forget which song it is, but I think it's one on Overly Dedicated. He has this line about how he's not sure if he's going... He's in the studio, but he's not sure if he's going to freestyle or start, like, actually writing. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know what and how he's about. always, like, he just feels it in the moment, whether or not he's going to, like, plan it out or just... You know, okay, what but of. here's the other thing I will say. I would, I, I, you know, especially hearing this argument, I think, you know, I ne- wouldn't necessarily rank Untitled Unmastered much higher, but my only other counter-argument, like, I would p- maybe put Untitled Unmastered number five, just because 
Overly dedicated at number six also feels about right to me, and here's why: mm-hmm. because the thing is that it is a very considered album. It is a very, it's a very, for a fucking mixtape, it's very good. Yeah. It is a very nice quality control, but it's also unlike Untitled and Mastered, it feels like the least Kendrick of the six that we're ranking. Right. You know, because I feel like, especially like he began, especially with Section Eighty, because Section Eighty very much was based around a concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, aside from the fact that he tries to do a narrative on that album, it fucking doesn't work. But uh, the thing, like, he's still talking about stuff about the. He's talking about Ronald Reagan era. He's talking mm-hmm. about you know all these different things. Overly really dedicated is just a series of songs, and therefore, like when you talk about you know Pussy and Patron, that's a song that very much could be in it here. But there's also kind of a few like couple like narky type songs in there too, where it's just kind of like you know like smoke up, whatever. I don't care, and it's just like these things that are very much probably true to Kendrick. It just doesn't feel like it feels like that step right before he establishes the persona right. that we've come to know and love. So Taron shaking his head at Fuck me. Fuck that. Fuck that. Um, no, I just I feel like. Overly dedicated isn't any more of just a series of songs than, like, Damn is to me. Like, yes, Damn has some of the connective interludes, but it really, it like, it's so genre-hopping. Yeah, but it, Damn it, still it feels feel... like it comes from the, from the same identity, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. the same artistic place. Sure. Of, like, Overly Dedicated, which is kind of a mishmash of different feelings and influences. But, I don't know, I honestly, like, as far as, like, overall quality control... I enjoy Overly Dedicated more than Section 80. Oh! I I feel like that on Section 80, there's a lot of attempts to do things that aren't authentically Kendrick. Like, when he does, like, no... More than Overly Dedicated. When he does, like, no makeup... And well, he's okay. Like going, <laughs> I you know, he's yeah. It was like, funny. I knew, I knew for a fact that that song was going to be mentioned, <laughs> and. I definitely understand what you're coming from. It's a really good song. It's just it just not a Kendrick sounds, Lamar song. It sounds like 2003. It, it sounds, sounds like, like a right, the, right. the thing that you do when you get a rock guy to sing your songs. The way you yeah, make uh, yeah. yeah. and make feel like I get it with that song, but there's no song on Section 80 as bad as Michael Jordan. Mm. Okay, okay. There is agreement, no agreement, agreement, song. times a million. Now, times a million. Now, for the listeners right now, I'm going on my Michael Jordan rant. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Please forgive me. That is the worst fucking Kendrick Lamar song he's probably ever recorded, in my opinion. (laughs) I cannot stand that song. I hate the way his voice sounds on that song. I can't stand the hook on that song. I didn't mind Schoolboy Q as much, but... It almost sounded as if he was like, I need my Lil Wayne song on here because it came out in 2010 and Lil Wayne was the biggest, most popular, probably the most loved rapper at that time. Young Money was doing his thing and I feel like he put that song on it. The hook even takes it back to a Lil Wayne line and I'm just like, and now mind you, funny story, that was the first song I ever heard from him. Wait, so so mind you. It was a very early single. Mind you, that was the first song I ever heard from Kendrick Lamar. And so imagine that being Holy the first. Imagine that being the first song you ever heard from Holy someone, shit. and then for him to be where he's at now, and you to still even give him a chance. Because a lot of the times, you know, especially with rappers, mm-hmm. you you work on the first, you know, first as a basis. The first impression means a lot when it comes to rap. Yeah. Because you hear that one song, you're just like, "What is this shit?" And then you never go back. Mm-hmm. But the only reason I listened to Kendrick Lamar more was because Absol had a song called "Turn Me Up," very hip hop beat, very dope. And Kendrick Lamar's verse on there was spectacular. And I heard that after the song. I thought, okay, let me check back on it. Then I listened to the rest of the project. And I was like... Damn. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. 
This motherfucker's got the juice. Like, right. he, he's going somewhere. And then, mind you, Section 80 probably came out a month after that. And I was like, okay, my mind's blown. Because I already mm-hmm. knew who J. Cole was in the other production. But that Michael Jordan song... Is terrible. It is it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. I don't like that song. Terry's not a fan of the, the spiteful chant. Oh, yeah, spiteful chant. The schoolboy. It just really annoys me because I really love that Woodkid song that they sampled and that fucking epic propulsive sample did not need to be slowed down and then having just singing like a really bad hook about (laughs) people and hoes and I'm just like come on like that sample is so fucking epic it should have been sped up and you should have gone ham on that shit like I, I don't know. I was just very disappointed when I saw that Woodkid was sampled. I was really excited, and then yeah, that happened. But yeah. I we can move away from Section Eighty. I mean, I, we can I still do, think, we're in it right now. I think we should it. talk about well, it. Yeah. But aren't we? Aren't we? Are you? Didn't you nominate Overly Dedicated for Six? Yeah, but I mean, then you mentioned the rock shit on Section Eighty, and the thing is, there's more than one iteration of rock shit on Section yeah. Eighty. Yeah. Well, and I just also we have on Overly Dedicated, we have Alien Girl, which is like a pretty pretty solid track. Yeah. I really like um, the horn sample on Heaven and Hell. Uh huh. Um, yes, actually, no. Yeah. You know, and when you get to... Oh, and the first... Oh, well, then you also have the heart part two on there, which we're going to mention this a lot. When he does this fucking... Like, crying voice. It's like a Can mix you... of, like, crying and, like, maybe an old lady. I'm like, oh, oh, man. And for the record, the one thing I love about Kendrick Lamar is the fact that even to this day and even all the way up to fucking damn, dude has got more voices yes. in him than anyone else. And like we were talking about like iterances, like he's cited multiple times over and over Tupac being an influence. But it's weird how he mentions Tupac as an influence. And yet there are times when I legitimately hear more Nas in his stuff. And especially I do hear Eminem in his stuff too. Yeah. And he cited Eminem as an influence of being able to suddenly go into all these different like mm-hmm. styles and sounds mm-hmm. to the point where like all of a sudden in one song, now I gotta be my conscience in a much more higher yeah. tone. Yeah, so, you yeah. you can definitely tell that his inspiration from Tupac wasn't from the lyrical aspect. Right. It was, it was I, definitely more artistry. so from the artistry aspect. Yeah, for the persona. Because when you hear him rap, you definitely you even hear Lil Wayne influence. You definitely mm-hmm. hear Eminem influence. You probably hear Redman influence. You probably hear a corrupt influence from the West Coast. So I was gonna say, on um, not later on, I feel like he was still trying to be something on these first two overly dedicated yeah, in yeah. Section Eighty, and so I actually ended up hearing a lot of like Kanye. Right, and, like push a T, like especially when you get on like high power, mm-hmm. the way that he's like really spitting all those consonants yeah. out, really. Well, yeah. high power, I felt like that was almost like his like Dayless old Daisy age, like trying to make a statement as to a philosophy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then actually, I mean, we're jumping around a bit, uh, but that actually kind of brings me back to Section Eighty. Section Eighty is such a fascinating thing because it's simultaneously like a time and it's also a place as well. And I find it interesting that, and this is a revelation I had this week, is how utterly locational hip hop is. Mm-hmm. Because when you are an artist, you always have to be representing or exploring something in some way or another. Most of the time, it's pretty easy. You represent where you came from. You represent ATL. You represent West Coast. Yeah. You represent New York. You know, where, wherever it is, you represent Dirty South. You are always going to be representing a place, and that is going to play into a lot of these things. Every once in a while, there'll be an artist, though, that will actually go a little bit further and create a place as well. Uh, you know, as we know, Outcasts were too fucking weird for this sort of They still rep <laughs> ATL hard, but they created the realm of Stankonia. Yeah. Uh, and let's not forget the other, you know, hip-hop iconic location created Nellyville. Uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> if, if you guys do a Nelly discography, 
please don't call me. Oh, do I, <laughs> do, hey, guess what? It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen uh, at all. Uh, we're not that dirty. Uh, so the thing is, though, I will say... Uh, when we get to Section 80, it's such a fascinating thing because the one thing about Kendrick is that he's always, even when he gets out there in exploratory, he's still tying it back to, like, the, basically the impoverished, into, like, the mm-hmm. streets and where you're growing up. So even though he's kind of creating this somewhat of a degree, like, this imagined fantastical thing, it is still very gritty. It is still very, like, personal. It is still finding a lot of, you know, a little bit of hope and a lot of heartbreak. And it's mm-hmm. just fascinating that that's where he decided to kind of create this. It sounded like a country line. <laughs> a little bit of hope and a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you go to the uh, Chartographer's merch store, that bumper sticker is now available. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, it's, and so it's the picture it comes with a picture of Dolly Parton screaming. Seven ninety nine plus shipping. All right, yeah. so guys, that being said, I feel like the fact that we're talking about Untitled and Section eighty and overly dedicated kind of together, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. I feel like they all have different unique aspects about them. They all have different highlights. Only one of them, though, has cut you off. So I think that kind of says something, you know, there. I like cut you off. I like, it's very much cut you off. Right. The first time I heard it, I was like, oh, cut, eh, this is a little, cut, like... Cut you off is my song. I, I, <laughs> I love cut you off. Like, just earlier today, I was, you know, cramming and making sure I remembered what everything sounded like. And when I got to cut you off, I, like... Full on, like yeah, when there's like whoop de whoop. Like, how do you not sing along to that? Yeah. It's so. It, the first time you hear it, you're like, "This is silly," and then it's it's damn good. The production on it is phenomenal and very very simplistic, chill, vibey. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably one of Ken, this is probably the first glimpse of Kendrick's just like conceptual tracks to where it's just like. He said a lot without having to say a lot or layer it behind very fast verses. A lot of punchlines, a lot of this, a lot of that. It was very impactful. It hit his point. Probably my favorite track on the album outside. I love the heart part too. Yeah. And there's a very, I love all, any, if Kendrick comes out with a song called The Heart, I'm listening and I'm a fan. Which he did before Damn, he put out The Heart Part 4. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and if you listen to him all in order, you're just like, you see this trajectory of how someone has improved throughout their career is just mm-hmm. amazing. But I'm comparing overly dedicated to section eighty personally. I put section eighty over over overly dedicated. hundred percent. Because while overly dedicated has good stuff, you kind of feel Kendrick finding himself a lot. Mm-hmm. Because he has a lot of songs where he has sound like a little Wayne or he'll rap like someone else. Yeah. The hooks aren't as strong on Overly Dedicated. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, even on some of his features, he kind of gets, you know, overshadowed. Like, with Michael Jordan, while I'm not the biggest fan of that song, I feel like Schoolboy Q fit perfect because that's more his groove, his Uh tempo. A little more gritty. Um, And even on, you know, Overly Dedicated had the song called She Needs Me that featured Dom Genesis and someone else uh, on the track list. And I think it was... It's on the iTunes version as well yeah. when I mm-hmm. listen to it. And now, Kendrick Lamar had that song by himself. It's phenomenal. But on the remix, they kind of changed the concept. And it was kind of more, like, braggadocious than the original version. Mm-hmm. And Kendrick Lamar gets outshined completely by everyone that features on that song. Yeah. So... Isn't it Dom Kennedy? Dom Kennedy. I said Dom, 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 Dom yeah. Kennedy. There we go. And so, Overly Dedicated was kind of like the slowly finding himself. I feel like Section 80, while he was still finding himself... He was definitely much more confident. Impact. Oh yeah, much more impactful. Rigor mortis. Rigor, 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 Rigor mortis, mortis is yeah. on there, so it's like 
you're not getting it even, you know, even, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, even, yeah. and yeah. even just the way it was broken down, I love Poe Man's Vice. Yeah, yeah, that I, took me a while to get around on. Finally, I was like, I oh, love Poe Man's right Vice, and it, it, even from his bar. And, and again, you know, it's, I feel like it's a little bit different when you rank hip hop albums because even if you might not be the biggest fan of the production, the main selling point of rap albums is the lyricism, and all of them mean a lot. But the lyricism is what gets you. And what stood out to me about Section Eighty is he became so much more on point in so much his delivery became a lot better and you heard more of what he was saying and it made more sense and it made more meaning as to where on overly dedicated again he's more new yeah he's trying out different things finding his sound it's kind of like it's kind of like you're swimming for the first time and you kind of you're just trying to stay afloat yeah and when in section 80 he started to hit his stride a little bit more yeah and there's still flaws along the way you know? oh absolutely yeah because again he's still got the rock shit on section 80 even though overly dedicated still has michael jordan like you know it's, it's a give and take you know mm-hmm. so but i feel like they're kind of like you know the fact that we're kind of waffling between them i think is interesting but that being said you would still agree that four five six we were talking about these three albums in some configuration right i would yes, yes yeah. exactly I would. all right so taryn just out of curiosity four five six what would your ranking be I'm actually, you guys have convinced me. Oh. Um, so I would put Untitled at six, Overly Dedicated at five, and Section 80 at four. No. I could I could subscribe to that. Okay. We'll do that. All right. Well, guys, you heard it here first. Overly Dedicated, number one album of his. I'm <laughs> uh, so that means that at number six, we have Untitled and Mastered, which is still great, mind you. It's still a goddamn wonderful album, and I highly recommend you listen to it. Uh, and then Overly Dedicated at number five. And number four is Section 80. But this is the part okay, I was this fearing. Is... This is like, you know, crack your head, guys. Because I think when we were talking about good... Okay, so after Dan came out, it was some like piece on complex or something like that. It was like, asking a bunch of multiple writers, like, well, how would you just like is Kendrick now being considered one of the greatest uh, rappers of all time? And there was this one writer. He mentioned how like for him, like you need to have a couple things in order to hit that bracket. And their specific example was you need to have at least three classic albums or at least fifty like break down the door amazing tracks right. you know and so like by that rubric like Notorious technically didn't qualify you know right. but at the same time like the thing is he said like Kendrick definitely does now because Good Kid to Pippa Butterfly and Damn are three masterpieces there so that's yeah. where he can right. officially start having the conversation so I'm not even sure if I necessarily agree with the rubric but I do agree that we are running into a lot of yeah. right now the leap that he took from section 80 to Good Kid Mad City massive was just fucking huge. So that being yeah. said, I know we kind of talked about number six, and then we got into a discussion. So, Taryn, I'm going to give you the most unenviable task in the world. Number three, what would you nominate? We'll have a discussion. What would you nominate? This is so hard. Yeah, I don't envy it. That's why. And if and if I give a reaction based on what you say, ignore we me. Will, it doesn't matter what. what gonna, every, someone's going to give a reaction. Listeners, there's going to be a reaction. All right, I just. As far as, again, we have to look at, like, overall, not just quality, but, like, listenability. Uh-huh. And by that rubric, I would have to say to Pimpa Butterfly. No! What? <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm going to argue this. No, no, no. The, the, the thing, is, right the thing yeah. is, I would say that a solid two-thirds of this album is fucking phenomenal. Just fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Incredible... And, and I would also say that this is my favorite era of him. Like, when you eat, like, I would say, all right, 
the single version of I and Untitled 3 are my three favorite Kendrick songs. But I still feel like when you're getting into all of the weird voices and the sort of like, when Anna Wise is doing her like spoken backing vocals, like it gets kind of grating sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like as much as I love King Kunta, she's she's kind of annoying on there, in my opinion. And I just like... (laughs) Physical reactions. (laughs) um, I don't know, I just... And then when you get into like all of the like, the full free jazz with Thundercat. Like, I really don't like Wesley's theory. Um, it's a, it's a, it, <laughs> I know, I know. And the thing is, the, the thing is, like, but keep in mind, this is what we're comparing it against. I, I also yeah. will, I just want to say out front that it's not Kendrick's fault that, like, his verses are always completely fucking on right. point. Like, on the tracks that I don't want to listen to, it's not because he's not going in 100%. Right. It's because I just don't like the production that's happening around it. Okay. Like, when we're getting to these three albums, I, like, I can't point out a bad verse or, like, any even anything where I would say right, like, I, he's, he didn't go all in. Right. But, and also, like, I would say maybe my least favorite Kendrick Lamar okay, track is, is Hood Politics. Shannon is feeling all the emotions right there. Um, uh, it's not my favorite, I'll be honest. Just, but that being said, just, well, yeah. and just out of curiosity, shoe on the other foot right now, Shannon, what would you nominate for number three out okay. of what we got? All right. I get ready for your reaction, Taryn. I want to hear it big. I want it over the top. Okay. <laughs> so if I had to rank these three for, and for the third, totally arbitrary ranking, for the third spot, I would probably, me personally, I would put Good Kid, Mad City. I would put Good Kid, Mad City, and I'm I'm gonna explain why. Okay. Good Kid, Mad City, in my opinion, the was the first time that we kind of heard Kendrick kind of reach for a more radio friendly approach on some of the songs. Now, mind you, this is literally like picking your picking the child you're gonna save out of a burning building. Like this is yes. yeah like and so let's be very clear. We have to be critical with these if we're gonna you know since we're ranking these, yeah. we have to critique them. And now, while I might say certain things about this album, it's only in comparison to just Kendrick's albums. Mm-hmm. Any other day of the week, I don't think another rapper can make a good Kid, Bad City of the current times mm-hmm. that have been you know that impactful or good. But if we're speaking in regards to those three albums, I will put Good Kid, Mad City at the third spot. And I'm gonna be able to explain That's just why. Just because of your hatred of Drake, let's be real. <laughs> Not even. And, and what's funny is I actually like that. I I, I like Poetic Justice. He has I, a lot. Of, he has a lot of bangers on here. Yeah. I don't like Drake, and I would almost say that because Drake knew he was going on a Kendrick track. Oh, Kendrick, all of the Kendrick buzz. I would say that. Oh, that Drake, is like Drake, one of Drake's best. Drake, artists. Drake body Kendrick on that song. Let's be clear. Yeah, yeah. Drake, 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 Drake body Kendrick on that song. That's the one time. Uh, yeah, it's like of that era that he also kind of did the same thing on fucking problems on yep. the fucking Aesop Rocky song. Yep. So yeah. right the have a fucking read along. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so first, I'm I'm gonna preface this by saying everything I love about this before I go into what I. Oh, don't but like. I mean, I want to talk about what we love about both these albums. Good Kid, Mad Mad City is probably like how in the '90s we had Menace to Society, how we had. Boys in the Hood, yeah, exactly. stuff like that. I put this album in the ranking of those movies because 
just when you listen to it, it how, is a film. How, how, how descriptive everything is. Yeah. Like, you can literally close your eyes and see everything happen yeah, as seriously. the story is being told. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this album so special, and that's what blew everyone away. But when you get songs like Swimming Pools in comparison to the other ones, and albeit I understand that he made it a certain way to give a certain message, like, it sounded very, hey, one be on the radio, we gotta have a hit. And that's how that song sounded. To me, the verses were decent. But it didn't like blow my mind away in comparison to the, the other two. To the other two, mm-hmm. yeah. And while conceptually I loved it, and now mind you, I put this at number three. But the best Kendrick Lamar song, in my opinion, that he's probably penned is on this album, which is "Sing About, About Me. Me." Yeah, "Sing About Me" is arguably my yeah. favorite Kendrick Lamar song he's ever penned. Fair. And even when you know, you know, and if I die before the album dropped, then the gunshot sound. I've never like gotten chills like that. Well, and that's he did, also he dies a lot on his yeah. album. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's he, the thing. He's died on he some albums. He dies multiple you times. You have lost something. Mm-hmm. Um, you pop. Yeah, you know, yeah. On Sing About Me, I fucking love it because not only is he just an incredible lyricist, but he also like plays with structure mm. so much. Yeah. We'll get to damn later because holy shit. <laughs> um, but on Sing About Me specifically, he has that verse that ends mm-hmm. with the gunshots. And then the verse after yeah, that... Yeah, ends with him fading out. He fades out. Who the fuck fades out a rap verse? And, and then and then the chorus comes back in. Like, yeah. if it faded out and then the beat also faded out after that, I'd be like, yeah, okay. But no, that's just like that persona that he adopted in that verse clearly had more to say, yeah. but he wasn't prepared to put but it on the The thing about Good Kid, Mad City is that I would, and the argument, especially when you're looking at everything around it, it's weird how it's kind of, into a degree, the least Kendrick sounding from a pure beat space of what it mm-hmm. is. Like, it's very much more of a Dre prod than anything else. And Dre, still, mm-hmm. he only had limited yeah. production influence on here, but it's very much kind of a little bit more traditionally structured song. Well, and it's not you just know? Dre. Yeah. I mean, he was signed to Interscope at this and point. After, so yeah. even though even though Top Dog was still who he was working with, he had they, the all Interscope. They were all working together, yeah. yeah. He had the Interscope like nudge in yeah. the pop radio Slash direction. Yeah. yeah. And so I I I understand what you're saying. Honestly, I would say even though I love the conscious bit on swimming pools, that's the best part of that song to me. And right. that, that's far from my favorite. Oh, thing but so, no no no, but swimming pools is one of the greatest acts of pop radio terrorism to ever happen. Because <laughs> here's the song, the lead single from your album about dealing with crippling alcohol addiction. And the chorus is done in such a way that, it, that fucking frat boys the world over are blasting it out at every Friday night frat party you can imagine because they think it's yep. a song about drinking. Exactly. And it's just like it's just it's just amazing. Like someone one night was just gonna be sitting down in their dorm room and be like, "Oh shit!" Like they're gonna have that revelation of like, "Oh, this is about something completely." Right. And, and like, yeah. honestly, and now in, in my opinion, that's part of my dislike for it because mm. you make a song that's supposed to have this meaning to it that's supposed to talk about crippling alcoholism and addiction but it make you make it so fun that people will <laughs> drink drink to this song yeah, so it's yeah. like did it really work at that point because you know a lot of the times people are like you know the lyrics and concept you don't got to have a concept part of art is it has to hit its mark and if it's not hitting its mark with its delivery because you made it too catchy for that radio play, then it's kind of like... I mean, now we're getting to, like, Mike Ladd, Majestic on some Festicons kind of stuff, <laughs> like, at this point. And though. so, and plus, this is the only album where the features bodied him. 
J Rock bodied him on Money Trees too, in my opinion. Also, MCA bodied him. And MCA bodied. So it's well, like also with the Mad City verse, like that's when he's doing the Buddha voice, and like, right. like he doesn't really have a lot to so stand then when on. MCA comes right, in, you're yeah. like, oh, oh thank God, God. oh right. thank God, you're and, here. And MCA brings it. Yes, yeah. and so it's like you just have all these songs where he's just I, getting destroyed lyrically. Okay. And the only song that he didn't get destroyed on was this, because he wrote the verse for Dr. Dre. So it's yeah. like... It's, I, look, I get what you're saying. I just think that from like an overall... I don't know, every song on here I want to listen to. Like I don't skip anything except for the Good Kid Mad City duo. Everything else is just like it's either such a fucking banger or it has the beat and the message, like, when you're getting into the art of peer pressure. Like, right, and shit, I love the art of peer pressure. Like, I love that, that I, beat. Because, yeah. you know, uh, you and, talk, and, yeah. and you're talking about painting fucking vivid images. Oh, yeah, like, you yeah. get the art of peer pressure and, like, Shireen. Also, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. One of my favorite. And it does good. But if I'm comparing that to some Pimple Butterfly for me, this huge masterpiece to the point where when I turn it on, if I start that Wesley's theory, I'm not stopping listening right. to that album until it's finished. And that's like both, and so here's the biggest thing. Going into this, we are basically comparing, because you also forget the one thing about Good Kid Mad City, this is one of the only times ever in history that the fucking interludes between songs mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Because like you just hear these random answering machine messages where like by the end of it I'm like wait is he gonna come home did he die is and this I, and like I love those right because yeah, it's representative right. of the fact that like moms are like calling their kids like you need to get back here get some fucking dominoes you know like whatever and then and at then the very like, end please come home yeah like that's yeah. like that's like crippling that's why like the cover of the album for the like the actual cover actually says a film by Kendrick Lamar mm-hmm. because like it has that kind of cinematic scope. You know, and that being said, like, I will still, you know, do a degree, Money Trees, some, sometimes I think it's pretty good, sometimes I'm just kind of, eh, I don't really have to hear Mad City I'm, again. I'm into Money Trees. But, yeah, I, I like Money Trees a lot. Yeah. But. It's, but the thing is, I feel like other songs where he's real, he's real, he's really, really real. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that song. I'm really, really, That's, really. yeah. That's. That might be, like, in my top ten Kendrick tracks. And also, let's not forget, this is the album that also has Backstreet Freestyle on it, too. Which I mean, was the thing that launched off a lot of the fucking shit, yeah. too. I feel like Good Kids Mad City still runs that thing where even though there's a narrative holding it, too, To Pippa Butterfly is almost entirely, you have to listen to it as an album. You have to appreciate it as an album. The fact that All Right became a protest anthem for Black Lives oh, Matter, right. like, that's incidental outside of the fact because that album was still a statement. I mean, and it, the, the other thing... incidental that song is... I mean, that's what that song is about. Yeah. And also, that beat is fucking bomb. Yeah, and also the greatest thing Pharrell Williams has ever done in his life. But the other... Yeah, if <laughs> yeah. you're just... Putting it yeah. out there. What about what about happy? <laughs> what about happy? What about? But the other, here's the other thing I will say. Unfortunately, about, we couldn't finish the podcast. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon had opened the door for himself to leave, and he did so. But here's the other thing I will say about "To Pimp a Butterfly." To Pimp a Butterfly legitimately challenges me, and they're good for the all the you know for the That's moments fair. that really fucking get to me, or like or a tonal at times. That's kind of the point, too, because, like, when you're doing an album that's not just a rap album that is basically tackling the entire history of black music and finding a way to rope it into, you know, thing, where it's going into free jazz, it's going into funk, it's going, like, James Brown has a fucking writing credit on King Kunta as well, and also that's the same song where he has uh, Annie Are You Okay as well. Like, he's hollering back to all these different, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, pop paragons all the way through, so at times, like, I don't like the song You, but the fact that You is in there, and it's like, yeah, you. correlating back 
okay? And also, on top of all of that, fucking I. When I came out as a lead single, that was like a jam. People were like, oh, yeah, fucking Isley Brothers. This is, you know, yeah. I love myself. I like, love it's a jam. Fun fact, he visited the Isleys personally to get yeah. permission to use that sample. And and what, I, and, what and what I love about I... And for, first of all, what I love about the rollout <laughs> of To Pimp a Butterfly is that when he dropped I as the first single, everyone got a little bit shook. They were like, what, what is happened, this first, what's happening? What is what this happened? first single? Yeah. But then if you listen to the lyrics, especially when he goes into the rap part at the very yeah. end of it, yeah. it's almost like he's screaming to himself, like, I love me. Like, it's almost like he's yelling at himself in it's the like mirror. To assure it's himself. like he's like, he's yeah. like to assure himself. And then when you hear it in the context of this album and how it was delivered on the album personally, oh. with the live thing, and then no, it no. breaks. The, oh. uh, what the, it does, the thing, it's and again, speaking of much like how uh, Swimming Pools drank, another amazing act of sabotage. The single version, it's a jam, it's on radio, people are digging it, you hear it on the album, and like people wonder like what the, like, and you've seen like Fox News and other things like mm-hmm. that talk about like, oh, these, you know, goddamn black mass protesters, these people standing in the street stopping traffic. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you a little bit inconvenienced by things? Well, that's just how we have been inconvenienced for a lot of our lives. And he does the exact same thing here. You know what I sounds like going into this album. Yeah. And he bum rushes his own stage on the album version and interrupts it and stops it. And then yeah. begins asking those tough questions in it. And you might be annoyed by that. And that's the absolute point of it, too. Mm-hmm. And, and a, lot, a large part of where people get their feelings from, which might actually be a little bit of swearing for me personally, is how the album impacts the culture when it drops. That album came at the perfect time in life. <laughs> yes, it did. And I don't know if it was 100% by design or if things just started unfolding like that as the album was being made. I don't know what it is. But the volumes, it spoke to the times that we were in and even speaking on the aspect of black-on-black crime as well as the way that the world views you know, the black struggle and things like that. I feel like it hit the nail on the head so Perfect, and then with all the instruments, the black of the berry. <sighs> and then, and then when he dropped, you just that like, oh, yeah. Jesus. The the way the black of the berry is delivered, even Mama, even when you talk like all these I songs, how much that. a dollar costs, and yeah. it's just like, oh my god, like the messages and themes and delivery and hitting the nail on the coffin. He didn't have a song, in my opinion, that was kind of like swimming pools as yeah. to where he made a hit, a, a song, catchy song that people were like, oh, I'm getting drunk. And then they, they realized that, like way later, like, oh, wait, it's actually not. But some people aren't going to get that mark. They're just going to hear that hook. And then as to where, I, and I, I definitely understand now, To Pimple Butterfly isn't an easy listen. No. There's not too many songs on this album that you can just... Throw in a playlist. I'll throw mm-hmm. a playlist. And, and, th- and take it out of the context of the album. Yeah. But part of it is why I revere this album so mm-hmm. highly is because it's this masterpiece and it's confound just in this masterpiece. Yeah. It's not meant to be sectored off or held in its own light. You have to hold all of this together because it fits so perfect and it's delivered. Yeah. Right. Now, I love all of that. And here's the only thing. Like, we've been kind of going back and forth about what we're nominating for number three. But so far, we've been talking about both these albums in great detail. But we have not been talking about Damn. Now, Damn, because we're talking about it, let's talk about it while we're here. Okay. That is a... Man, there's a lot of feelings that we have about oh, that. Yes. A concept album, but it's not a concept album. It kind of deals with the Seven Sins, but kind of in its own way, but not really, but kind of, sort of. Right, like the Seven Sins were kind of like a starting point for and then what he, he just kept did. going. Yeah. 
And boy, let me tell you, it is the, the we started getting into the stories and everything there, and like DNA, how it started this beat, which I can't fucking believe was made by Mike Will Maiden. I could have sworn yeah. that Bangladesh is yeah. actually Mike Will, who Mike I'm getting a lot of respect for. Last year, he fucking produced Black Beatles and Formation by Beyonce. Like, holy shit, really? Mike, Mike Will Maiden is first of all a lot of Southern producers uh-huh. are so slept on in their production because again, at least in the stigma of hip hop. You know, when it comes to the South, what do we think of? Uh, or at least, historically, what do people are used to think of? I can't even say that anymore, because yeah. South was running hip-hop for, like, the past decade or so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Southern is more watered down, not as cohesive or lyrical or things like that, because, you know, the golden era of hip-hop was controlled by the East Coast and all these artists and everything coming out. But their producers, any song you hear that's popular or they get you going is made by, whether it's Zaytoven, Bangladesh... Hitmaker, whether it's Mike Will made it himself, a lot of these Southern producers are at the forefront. Uh, Metro Boomin are, are at the forefront of everything uh, that's, that you know that's at the forefront of what's popular in hip hop. And so when I heard DNA, I kind of had a feeling it was Mike Will only because he had mentioned a couple weeks back that yeah I did some production, and I also felt like Humble. Mm-hmm. And a little the interesting thing singer, about yeah. Humble. Humble was not meant for Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, I read that. It was made for Gucci Mane. Which is... Which is so weird, because at this point, I can't imagine Gucci Mane on that song. Yeah. Whatsoever. Also, the way Kendrick takes this hard-ass fucking beat and opens it by talking about syrup sandwiches. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just... He just subverts anything. The one thing... I actually don't love Humble a whole lot, I'll be honest, because I feel like it is a song that is just all over the place yeah. where he's talking about you know, like you know he wants girls to be real put that pussy on my taste buds he's kind of jumping like all over the place <laughs> even though it's got some the most quotable lines this is that great boop on that AV yeah, on that TikTok you know like it's there's some great goddamn or uh, you know, me let my soul speak you let the <laughs> meds talk like that's a great you know great lines all around but at the same time that is like weirdly enough my, it's the lead single is the first ever number one as a solo artist mm-hmm. and it might be my least favorite song on here which is kind of Ooh, that's a big statement I mean legitimately oh, though because we're running into Chan is really looking into his head for this okay with this album it's so weird because it's so current and I love this album like I love it a lot uh huh I never thought of like what was my because honestly when I first heard the album instantly you know and that's probably just like the hipster in me like oh (laughs) yeah I don't like the Rihanna song and I don't like the love song the Rihanna song isn't great but see, but now, see for now though I fucking love that like now I love that song and the love song was Zakari. Yeah. Even though I was like, is this like a lazy like? Because I don't. At first, I didn't like. like, I didn't, like, like yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then and then like a lot of this album, I felt like this was Kendrick because you know he came out very cocky on this album. Like, yeah. I'm the goat. Top, I'm all top five. Even the lead, the, the heart part four being released yeah. right before the album came out, and he's taking the shots at Big Sean and he's taking the shots at every rapper. Like, look, you guys got a limited time. I'm coming to run things for a little bit. Y'all better be ready. And I think this is the first album where he's like, I'm the king. Like, this and, and is no, my... but, So what does he do with this king status, aside from taking you 2 and relegating them to a fucking, like, guest chorus? And, and I think that... Yeah. And, and, That's a power move right there, and all right? I give him points just for that, because I'm pretty sure everyone had the same reaction you too? I did when we saw you 2 on the track list. you 2 like, sampling you 2 right? And that song... Mm-hmm. That song is like... It goes hard, hard, and then all of a sudden this break happens. And then you two, the entire band, is going jazz on you? Yeah. 
What? And I love Bono's voice on that too. Yeah, it's, it worked. Per- it worked perfectly. I hate the beat on the first half. Uh-huh. I really don't like it. I love. And now the reason why I like it is because if you go back to like old school Easy E NWA days, uh-huh. that's what the sound was. And so when I, when you hear that beat, that's exactly what you get. And then his flow pattern on that, you know, is very you know like very bouncy, jumpy. Yeah. It's very akin to those times. So it's. I can see why people don't like that because it's a very West Coast sound. I'm just 100. I just think I'm overusing sirens in music. Yeah, <laughs> That's, which is fair. Just, but but that being said, and this is maybe controversial, but the more I think about it, the more we drink while we record this podcast, I definitely think about it. Um, I think the one of the most fascinating things I, I would argue that what he accomplishes with the entirety of Good Good Kid, Mad City, the narrative, the tale he wants to tell, you could argue he tackles in one song. In the form of fear, yeah, because mm-hmm. fear, like the, it is one of the, it is oh this fucking God. stoner ass groove, this very like lazy kind of thing, and it's just you know if I could take fear and you know was, mm-hmm. you know and just you know my God, and then all of a sudden you have these two verses, one where he's talking about you know is that beating your ass for anything? If mm-hmm. I could beat your ass, so, you know it's like. I'll beat you ass if I beat you ass two times and you're still here. You yeah. know, like, and then the second half where he talks about all the things that are going to kill him. Like, it is, like, stark, but yet it is compelling and I want to listen to it again. Like, and it's again, this again, crazy yeah. jumping, do- and, you know, juggle act and that And that's the song where he, he brings in a guest vocalist to record that opening. Uh, wow, God. Yeah. Wow. yeah, and then he does it himself. And plays it backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, it's those same lyrics <coughs> yeah. again. Yeah, it's the same lyrics backwards. Just yeah, exactly. He like covers his whole life. I think it's specifically like ages seven, seventeen, and twenty-seven. The last yeah. verse is like the fears that he has currently as a public figure. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of my favorite tracks on here. Also, since we're here, we're talking. I wanted to talk about lust. When he's playing with structure, uh-huh. the first verse on Lust, yes. it, it, he samples some British rapper, mm-hmm. and then he starts the first verse, and then he's like, nope, and plays the sample again, and then he restarts the first verse, and then he's like, hold up, and then he restarts the first and, verse. And I think that's like, what I love so much about this album is he... The way he breaks, he like stops the beat on you, and it's unconventional, right? Yeah, because it's like, wait, what's going on? Like, even he did it on DNA, he did it on Lust, great, and he, he did it on Ducksworth. It's yeah, just like, and you're, it, every time you're just like, what? Yeah, like, you, it yeah, keeps you, get the, you it keeps you in suspense. Yeah, and then and then he fakes you out again in that Lust verse by he plays the first like two seconds of the chorus. And then you think that you're hearing the first verse again, and then he like twists the formula and makes it about a woman yeah. instead mm-hmm. of a man. And I'm just like, God fucking damn, dude! Yeah, like, like who fakes you out four times in a row? Uh huh. And even what I love about this album is that like it has some suspense of like you trying to figure stuff out of what's happening the way the story's being told. Because at the end of the album, it talks about him dying, and it reverses back to the beginning of the album. Yeah. So now you can listen to the album backwards, and it'll kind of tell a different story in some ways. Yeah. And it's just like... And again, it's like, it doesn't have the same, like, narrative that Good Kid or Tabippa Butterfly does, mm-hmm. yet even when he's using, quote-unquote, more conventional, like, you know, beat makers and things like that to tell the story, it still has this fucking pull to it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, mm-hmm. like, and even if we could talk about maybe maybe his singing on God is, you know, a little bit... Yeah, and I, and I wasn't a big fan of that song 
at first, mm-hmm. but as time went on and you listen to it and you kind of understand what he's doing and with the song. you know what? Song, you know what? He makes it look sexy. Yeah. Like... I, I get that song. I do. And I understand how other people would enjoy it. I just can't right. get past the vocals. And, especially because he has sung before very effectively for me. Right. And on that, on that song, I don't know... If they should have just and, used and a I, different take, or and when I listen, when I hear that song, I know why it's structured how it is, because that's definitely going to be one of the songs that's going to be like at the tail end of his live shows, mm-hmm. because it's so easy to sing along to, and everyone's gonna be doing it. So I get how yeah. God was made. If I had to pick a least favorite on the album, that would probably be my least favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's saying a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, I still love the song. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. You leave y'all alone. You leave y'all alone. I love y'all. Y'all is great. And if I had to pick a a favorite personally, Ducksworth takes the cake for me. Because it's like, because I mean, it's also the thing, he's he's kind of a little bit careful with autobiography. Mm -hmm. And yet here, the song where like, oh my God, Anthony could have actually had this encounter that actually could have really happened. Where it's just kind of the surprise, a lot of people like when it came out initially, it was like, wait, holy shit, is this story true? Yes. And the production on this song. Yeah. Yeah, A a fucking Ninth Wonder finally working with Kendrick. And mind you, I am a big Ninth Wonder fan. Yeah. My favorite group Merce. of all time is Little Brother. Like, <laughs> I am, like, to the core. Like, yeah. when I heard Knife Wonder was working on the album, I legit was just sitting at my computer waiting for that. Like, me be able to click on it on iTunes so I can yeah. listen to it and get to that last song, and I was just blown away. And just the way it stops three different times or four different times, switches the beat, the way he flaws, is just, like, mm-hmm. the perfect close to this album. Yeah. By far, and I was just taken aback by even from the story. And again, like you said, Kendrick tends to not get too autobiographical with himself and stuff like that. And he reveals this story about his dad and Top Dog and how things unfolded. And you find out it's a true story, and you're just like, what? Yeah. And then just the way it ends, like it's almost like he formatted this album to make you want to listen to it again. It like from. From first song to last song, then from last song to first song, then just keep going in this circle and trying to figure things out. And I think that's the thing for me, where, like, ultimately when I'm coming down to it, because we also have been talking about uh, Kendrick for over an hour at this point. Jesus, oh, really? really? Yes. Oh, my God. It's blown the fuck okay. up. Blown the <laughs> I fuck feel by. like we've skipped so much. I know. Yeah. So the thing is that when it comes to that, though, like, I love Good Kid, Mad City. I would put, I would gladly put it on. I and I this isn't a diss or anything. I appreciate the Pimple Butterfly so much because it is a heavy piece of art. I may not always want to put it on, but the times I do, it is an immersive experience. I never mm-hmm. feel like more into someone's vision or someone's world than the clarity that it articulates through the chaos of that. But damn, at times on the day, I might say damn is my number one just because he takes all of those concepts and ideas and he makes them approachable and like accessible but at the same time it's a very clear progression away because he doesn't work with the same producers even when Thundercamp Flylo had such a huge say on what To Paper Butterfly was he uses them so sparingly on this album here like it's still Soundwave is still showing up at times but he's obviously working with a new different set because he does not want to make the same album twice and you gotta give respect to that too but that being said I think that we've talked about these albums a little bit I'm gonna toss a crazy idea out here I want to hear each everyone's nomination for number number one. Number one, Shannon. I had, I had a very big argument with Kendrick about this. Now, mind <laughs> you, he wasn't a part of the argument, right? Exactly. But he actually did an interview. Shannon, is it I know. I saw it. He, he did an interview on Big Boys yeah. uh, Neighborhood where he ranked 
the albums himself. What did he, what two did, days ago. Two two days ago. Before we recorded this. Yes. What did he rank? So he ranked section. He only ranked section eighty. Good Kid, Mad City, To Pimple Butterfly, and Damn. Uh-huh. Those are only four albums he rated. He put Section 80 last. Then he put To Pimp a Butterfly. Then yeah. he put Good Kid, Mad City. Then he put Damn. And I was mad at him. I argued, oh, yeah. I argued with him or myself for like a solid two hours. Like, there's no way. And, I'm, and I think to myself so much about it because then... I'm thinking about, okay, what is my personal preference versus what, what I is think. genuinely... Because, yeah. you know, even if you get in discussions such as like top five MCs and stuff like that, my favorite is different than who I think the top five actually is. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to break that down for this album stuff. And with every bone in my body, no matter how much I try, To Bimp a Butterfly is the greatest album for hip-hop that I've ever heard in my life. So I can't not have that. It's my number one. But what's weird is, if someone says that's not their number one, I 100% can understand why. Because mm-hmm. it's so impactful and needs to be together all the time that, like, I can throw on damn and, like, vibe out. And then it also has the same message. And even his reasoning behind it was, you know, damn is a culmination of all of these albums. You get the hard-hitting boom bap from Good Kid, Mad City. You get the, you know, the concept of introspective verses and things like that from Timothy Butterfly. And then you get the do whatever you want from Section 80, and that's how he got damn. That's was his breakdown of it. And I can see that. It's hard for me to put Damn as number one, only because I have to give my albums at least a year. I know. We're doing this so recently after it came out. But at the same time, we've sat on it and we've listened to it so much that I still feel, you know... Like, like, if someone said Damn was their favorite Kendrick Lamar album, I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't argue about, honestly, any of these picks if someone said it, but I would probably go with Pimple Butterfly. If that was me. Taryn. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, see, that's the thing. (laughs) Is that, like, until today, I had no idea. Among these three, I had, like, really no opinions one way or the other. Because they're all so incredible. I don't know. I just... Isn't it hot? It's really, really difficult. Coming into this, I would have said Good Kid, Mad City. Just because, like, because I'm I'm all about production. And I just think that it has the best consistent production like from start to finish but damn is so much more innovative across the board more innovative on on like every single track and like my favorite song on there is actually feel Mm. um because that's one where it's like it's it's a vibe track you think (laughs) as he keeps going and tells you more and more about his feelings you're like oh shit this is heavy yeah. Oh my god, you are fucking furious. And then he's screaming by the end. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know, I don't know that he could have... There are things on Dan <coughs> that like, even on To Pimp a Butterfly, I don't know if he could have pulled them off yet. Like, but, I almost feel like he had to explore that whole jazzy right. side of himself yeah. that he'd always had always an affinity had. for. Yeah. It's weird. With each album, you think to yourself, how is he going to top himself? Right. How is he going to do better than this? Like, when Good Kid, Mad City came out, I was like... What the hell is gonna happen with that second album? Like, it's gonna be weak. Like, eh, yeah, how could yeah? You know? Well, I think yeah. that's part of why also to Pimp a Butterfly was so brilliant because it's no matter every expectation, no matter how good it was, it was going to be almost impossible to compare it to Good Kid, Mad City. And, it, and then it was fucking phenomenal and, on top of that. And even then, it wasn't conventional. Like he oh, did, yeah. he didn't go for like the radio hits or. The top 40 anything, he definitely, like, to make a conscious album, 
which, you know, you know, acting to his verse on the Mask Off remix, you know, how you let a conscious rapper run the game, pretty much, that's never been done, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you can kind of... Even during Common's heyday. Like, right. You know, yeah. I mean, even even during Common's heyday, you can kind of say Kanye, but he's kind of, like, pseudo-conscious yeah. in a way. He's and you know, conscious when he... And like, when he wants, when it's convenient. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Nas never really had, like, the stronghold on the game. Ever, so, as we know. <sighs> and even jay-z you know you know a large part of his history wasn't the most conscious until more recent times yeah so for him to be able to do that with him butterfly was just like wow but i think what i love about damn so much which is why i wouldn't even argue if like damn's number one i would be like eh. i'll still argue for timber butterfly but i definitely can understand it is that damn does everything like it covers every area like you have your conscious stuff. A lot of these songs can be on the radio and you can vibe out to it just from the production by itself. Like, and it'll work. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the concept and just the meaning, the verses are all impactful. It's just like, it makes me, like, I don't think there's been an artist historically who has gotten this much better with every, every, rap artist, yeah. with every single album. Like, yeah. even if I don't necessarily feel that Damn is my number one pick, He's clearly better than he was before, yeah. and it happens every single time, and it it's it blows my and mind. Thank goodness he also had the mind to actually put out Untitled Unmastered as its own thing, of mm-hmm. trying to interpolate that into the new yeah, album. Into the, new album. the damn had to be its own entity yeah. by itself. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm gonna say damn is my number one. And if damn, I mean that's two to one regardless. So yeah. I mean I'm not gonna is hey. And that's, and that's what Dan's your number one? I, well, see, here's the thing. So, we've been talking about mm-hmm. this so much that, like, <laughs> I, out of all the discussions that we've had, in terms of risks, in terms of structure, in terms of his lyrics, in terms of everything, that I, I'm willing to accept a lot of To Pimp a Butterfly stuff because it is intentionally challenging. Right. And it is a deliberate it's choice. Intentionally and even if I don't, like, sometimes. enjoy it myself, I appreciate and respect and, that and, and, so much. And that's what a lot of people feel about that. Like, yeah. even though... I might not, like, I can't sit here and not appreciate what he's done with this album. It is capital A art, yeah. And I mean, it's like in a Harvard library now, like... Yeah. You know... That being said, I think Good Kid has to be number three. Like, that's just like, that's like at this point, we have to do it. Then, I gotta... I gotta put Pimp at number one. Like, that's like the thing. Like, I love Damn. I love Damn so much. I think that I... Uh, and you know, you know what's weird? We could have this same discussion tomorrow. You yeah. And Damn would be number one. And then you could have the discussion three days from now. And it'll go and back Section to... 80 will be number one. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. Remember how I wanted to put Section 80 at number five <laughs> <laughs> i briefly yeah so that being said are we locked in on this i mean yes, you gotta so. keep in mind we're lo- we're talking about masterpieces left and right so like guys this is it the ranking number six untitled unmastered number five overly dedicated number four section 80 number three good kid mad city number two damn and the number one Kendrick Lamar album is his guest verse on Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm kidding, no. His number <laughs> one is blah, 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 to be Butterfly. But that being said, you've heard this intense debate and how close it was. And guys, yeah, bish. Oh, my God. You need to go onto our Facebook page and leave your ranking because I have no doubt in my mind it will be potentially slightly different than 
what we had. <laughs> but, uh, man, it is, it is a new yeah. that it would be potentially. Yeah. But that being said, uh, we do have a happy hour mini-sode coming up right after this where we're going to talk about the worst Kendrick Lamar song, his best guest verse, and just so much more. In the meantime, though, Shannon. Yes. Thank you for being here. Oh, my God. Oh, I appreciate it. This is This here. was... Okay, if you if I had to rate how fun I thought this was gonna be versus uh-huh. how fun it is, <laughs> I probably was way off the mark. Like as far as like, I, I always thought, like this is gonna be fun. This, no, this was pretty amazing right. because it's not too often you get to talk to people in this kind of format. At least for me, in this kind of format that are this in tune with like music and actually listen because you, you argue about this on the internet. No oh, yeah. one's listening. Yeah, you have to just type the hardest until someone gives up. So. Yeah. Right now, it's just like, ah, this is great. So, thank you guys for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And I'm letting you know now, there's going to be a lot of... I've been hyping up this appearance. So, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this. Yes, damn right. I'm, I'm excited. Because I know people want to know what we're, the outcome of this is. Well, and I just... I'm just excited because I'm so happy we're doing it now. Like, on the one hand, right. yes, we have done, or like when we did Radiohead, it was way too soon after uh, the new album came out. But I like, this has been a couple months. I know that we'll feel way different about it in a year. But it's still like, I'm excited to see what, ev- everyone's so excited about um, Kendrick yeah. right now. And I'm excited to hear what they have to say. And I'm fucking excited for you, the listener, to listen to us on iron rank us on iTunes. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah. Do that and Stitcher and SoundCloud, all the places. Find us, like us, do the things. And really we'll genuinely... Play. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And if you and do it, you know, post it. Have a friend, you know, like listen to it too. Have wifey, girlfriend, and mistress listen to it. You know, that's really <laughs> if you can make that happen, that'd be great. In the meantime, keep on listening because you know that we'll be catching happy hour many. So thank you so much. Goodbye. Peace. Woo.